So awesome weeks. So for those of you who know, started a real estate, got some mentors and started a real estate training thing a couple of weeks ago. About a month, no, a month ago. That's another month, right? Time is fine. It's been over about a month, almost two months. And, you know, looked at the course material, looked at the course material, looked at the course material. I didn't quite understand a lot of it. It's a lot of it's going on in my head. I'm reading it, reading it, reading it, watching the videos. And, um, you know, they're saying to me, you got to get out there and start trying to do some deals. Now, I want you to listen to me. Because in my mind, it's like, I'm not going to get out there and look like a fool and try to do some deals. I'm going to learn this stuff first. And then I'm going to get out there and do some deals. And they kept saying, no, you got to get out there. You got to start making some offers. You got to do the deals. So I got out there and I started. And I was like babes in the wood. I was stumbling over my feet, tripping over everything, over my wood. They would ask me questions. I would say, um, I was like, I don't know if you ever call um, tech support people. And they say, hold on a minute. And then, you know, they go on the read or look it up online or read for the answer. And they come back to you and give you a half answer. And you say, no, that's not the question. They say, hold on a minute. And eventually they come back with somebody else. We're going to turn you over to such such person so that because they, they probably can read it better. I don't know. But I was in that situation where I had to keep saying, well, can I call you back tomorrow? Um, and I was really felt frustrated and I felt anxiety and I felt foolish and I felt weak and I felt out of my element. And I'm like, I'm good at what I do, but I don't know how to do this. I want you to listen close to what I'm saying because it ties into the message. That's why I said spread the word. And um, just getting frustrated, but, you know, the mentor said, look, you don't know how close you are to a deal. Just keep going. Don't give up. You're doing good. The fact that you're asking for help is a good thing. The fact that you're acknowledging that you feel shaken is a good thing. Keep going. So went back in, went for it, wound up getting there to the property, walking the land, looking at the deal, negotiating the deal. I got three people in my ear. Do it, do it, do it, do it. You know, got the seller, the, 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 the owner, the, the uh, realtor, um, everybody. You know, it's a good deal. It's a good deal. You're a fool if you don't. You know, supplies are short. You better do it now because you won't get this opportunity tomorrow. You know, the whole spiel. Now, feeling all this pressure, and I stepped back and I said, God, I'm not strong here in my knowledge or my understanding of what's going on. This is a bit much. And he said to me what I said to you guys a couple of weeks ago in the message. Embrace that. Embrace the fact that you don't feel strong. Embrace the fact that you may fail at this deal. Embrace it. That this may not be it. So I said that. And once I said that and let my mind get quiet, something came to me that I've heard the mentor say. Don't fall in love with the property. Don't fall in love with the deal. Fall in love with the numbers. The numbers have to be right. So then I sat back and I looked at the numbers and it didn't add up. I'm going to go into all the details because that's a whole thing when you're doing vision builds. Um, either today or at some point. It's like, no, the numbers don't line up and the deal's not for me. Um, when we had our call this week, um, our Zoom, 
you know, the leader of the of the class always says, so anybody who has any wins, let me hear your wins. And they want people to get on and talk about deals they close and deal. You know, I'm only every week hearing people talk about the deals they're closing and the deals they're doing. And <laughs> right. And I got on there and I and it just hit my heart. And I said, I have a win. And they said, okay, yeah, great. Wow, great. What do you got? And I said, I lost the deal. I didn't get a deal. And, and it was a win because through the process of going through this back and forth and getting pushed around, I learned so much. I learned some of the game. I learned some of the flip-flops that they were doing. I understood. I learned more about these different acronyms and stuff that they come up with in these phrases. And God said, look past all those phrases and just look at the bottom line two numbers. How much are you bringing in? How much you have to put out? And if how much you bringing in is a surpass, how much you got to put out, it's a bad deal. Call it a day, wrap it up. But I felt stronger and I felt more powerful because I was able to take what looked like a spanking, but I learned so much from it and I considered that a win. Why am I sharing that today? I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 because everybody wants to win, right? Can I see hands? We want to win. We want to, we want to win more than conquerors. We can do all things through Christ's strength of us. We're victorious in everything that we do. And the reality is, but what do you do to become that strong when you're victorious in everything you put your hands to? Well, the Lord's going to make a way. Well, he's going to make a way for you to uh, become victorious, not just going straight out. And I'm going I'm to drop a couple of things on you real quick. David beat Goliath. Yes. Huge victory. Yes. But David had some other conquests before he beat Goliath. There was a bear. There was a lion. And there may have been other stories that he didn't tell that God walked him through before he got to the place that he could face the giant. Um, I want to read the second Corinthians and I want to plant something in us that setbacks or seeming immediate failures are not failures if you don't let them become that. And I was frustrated, you know, the first couple of weeks. I felt like I was failing. And listen to me close. I didn't like failing. And I didn't like getting on these calls for them to ask you, so let's, let's have some wins today. And I had nothing to say because I felt like I was running around like a dog chasing tail. But in that, as a couple of weeks went on, we just talking a couple of weeks, I gained a foothold in the foundation that I'm using to this day that's made me an animal. You're listening to what I'm saying. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting at verse 6, the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says this. I'm reading out the Amplified. Should I desire to boast? I shall not be witless, a witless bragger, for I shall be speaking the truth, but I sustain from it, so that no one may form a higher estimate of me than is justified. Watch this. What he sees in me or hears from me, 
He said, I'm going to share this thought so that you people don't start to get a higher opinion of me than what you should get. What he's saying is, Paul, Apostle Paul is the Apostle Paul. He's known all over the place. He's a superman right now. He's a superpower right now. He said, I don't want you to get a bigger picture of me what what it is. He said, verse 7, and to keep me from being puffed up too much, elated by the exceeding greatness, the preeminence of these revelations, there was given to me a splinter in the flesh, or or King James says a thorn in the flesh, a a messenger of Satan to rack and buffet and harass me, to keep me from being exceedingly exalted. Now, look at me. Pay close attention. Ready? If you can get your cameras on, get them back on. Listen to what I'm about to say. Because this is powerful. Angie, I'm only seeing the top of your head, Dr. Brown. Let me, let me see pretty face. Listen to me. All our life through church, we heard that Thor was the Thor. That Paul was given a thorn in his flesh by God to buffet him. Right? Am I am I am I exaggerating? Well, he had got maybe that's your thorn in the flesh. Who's heard that other than me? It's clearly right here says not God, but a messenger of Satan gave him that thorn in his flesh that he don't be exalted too much. I need you to understand this really really carefully. God don't have no problem about you being exalted. No matter how exalted you are, you ain't never gonna be better than God. He is not threatened by your exaltation by man or people or anyone else, friends, family, or nobody. God is not threatened by you. I don't care if you got five Lamborghinis and two Rolls Royces and five houses. God is not going, ooh, we got to slow him down. He's getting too big. God is not threatened by anything you can achieve in this planet. The one who is threatened by you being exalted is the devil. So I want to make sure you understand this. Stop blaming the thorns in your flesh and the issues that come against you as a move of God. They are not, and scripture does not back it up. And preachers have stood up there. I've heard them. I was in church telling me God will sometimes give you a thorn. So, you know, it's very clear right here in this verse before I read the rest, but this is important. He said, and to keep me from being puffed up too much or elated by the exceeding greatness, Right here, he's acknowledging that he's great, by the way. He's saying, to keep me from being puffed up by the exceeding greatness that I've achieved, he's accepting that he's great. I hope somebody's hearing me. He's accepting that he's got greatness on him. He's accepting that not only is he great, but he's exceedingly being used by God greatly. Does somebody accept that? Will one of you right here today accept that? I'm exceedingly great. By God, God has made me exceedingly great. Can you say it? Say it. God has made me exceedingly great. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Exceedingly great. Come on, some of y'all are going to get scared to say it. Say it with proud. Say it loud. God has made me exceedingly great. Say it two more times. You are. And God has no problem with it. God, you know, God don't take God's glory as if, as if you could. Really? Stop the madness. God's not threatened. The enemy is. And it says, to keep me from being puffed up too much, elated by the exceeding greatness, the preeminence, he goes on to say, 
of these revelations. I want you to grab this. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a splinter in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to rack, lock him up, and buffet me, slow me down, and harass me to keep me from being exceedingly exalted. Devil don't want you exalted. God doesn't mind. Did you catch that? But I want you to catch one more thing before I read forward. People will come to me all the time and say, well, you know, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. I believe God put a thorn here. Do that sometime to teach you something. Well, okay. 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 All right. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Watch this. He said, Seven, and because of the surpassingly, I'm reading now from the NIV, great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, again, did it sound like something God would do? I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, two things I want to point out before I go to the next verse. Ready? Too many people in the church going through hardships and hard times or going through suffering, whatever, they saying, God is giving me a thorn in the flesh. Hmm. He said, because of the exceedingly abundant great revelations he was given, he was given a thorn in the flesh. A lot of people got thorns in their flesh because they just operate out of foolishness and stupidity and, and pride and arrogance in their own dumbness. And unless you have received enough revelations to write two thirds of the New Testament, you don't qualify for a thorn in the flesh. You don't qualify. Stop trying to say the devil's thorn in you. The devil ain't thinking about most of us. He ain't thinking about a lot of us because you ain't doing enough to make it worth his time to stop and give you a thorn. You, you, unless you get enough revelations to write two thirds of the New Testament, you don't qualify for a thorn. Stop the madness. Thorns come from people are sometimes destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's just the truth of it. Our own foolishness, our own doings, or, or just not having God's direction. But from this verse alone, he shows you God doesn't have a problem with the greatness. It's the enemy that does. Now, let me keep going. I'm going to stay there. just want to put that in. Three times I called upon the Lord and besought him about it, this, and begged him that he might, that it may depart from me. Three times he sought the Lord about it and begged him that it may depart from me. Now, this is what people say, see, God did it because he sought God three times about it. But let's not take the word out of context. Let's leave it where it is. But he said to me, my grace, my favor, my loving kindness and mercy is enough for you, sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear with trouble manfully. My strength and my power are made perfect and fulfilled and complete and show themselves most effectively in the time of your weakness. Now, God began to speak to me about how I felt totally weak and, and useless during the beginning of these courses. And it's not the first time. Every time God puts you in something new, you feel bewildered. You feel abandoned. You feel, hey, is this only me, right? 
just lost new 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 job new level in life new relationship new business new whatever it's it's challenging and we want to run back to the safety of what we know instead of being challenged to what we're called to it's safer to stay inside but watch this People said, God said, no, you keep that thorn because I gave it to you. That's the way it's been preached. All my life, I heard that. God did not say, first, God didn't give it to him. Second, God didn't say you had to keep it. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. The power, the might, the everything I've given you. But his point, he said, don't take them from the eat, don't, don't. Deliver him from the evil in this world. I think it's in his uh, um, in the Lord's Prayer. But don't take him out, but deliver him. Don't take him out of the world, but deliver him from the evil in the world. Yeah, you have it all in your head and it's gone, but it's here. Don't take him from the but don't take him out of the world, but deliver him from the evil in this world. If anybody looks up and wants to throw it in the chat, feel free to do so. He's saying you have what you need to overcome the enemy and anything he throws. You have power and authority over him. You have what you need to win and walk in victory. You don't have to ask me to take it from you. In Christ, I gave you the authority. Stand in it. I've given you this. So I'm gonna read this one more time. Listen to what he said. He said, three times I went to God. David sought him about this, that he it made the prop for me. But he said to me, my grace, which is my favor, my love and kindness and mercy, is enough for you to sufficiently against, enough to keep you for sufficiently against any danger and enables you to bear any trouble manfully. For my strength and my power are perfected and fulfilled and completed themselves most effectively in your weakness. Now, I went on for a long time thinking, based on the teaching I had heard, that God puts the problem there. He gives you the thorn in the flesh. He refuses to move it because when you're weak, you're better off. But the reality is he's saying, no, I've given you the ability to stand against the wiles of the devil. And after, after having done all, to stand against, listen to me, the attacks of the devil. To stand against. I've given you the ability, amen. I've given you the ability to stand against what the enemy throws. When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he meant, well, I'm going to ask Jesus to come and fix this. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to come fix it. What do you mean? That's not right. That's not true. I pray to Jesus. Jesus come fix it. Jesus said, in my name, you shall cast out devils. In Mark 16. In my name, you shall walk over serpents of scorpions. You shall lay hands on Jesus, come heal them. No, in my name, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. You pray in his name, but the work is ours to do. You pray in his name, but the work is ours to do. 
We pray in his name, but Jesus ain't going to come cast out no devils in your life. He gave you the authority to do it. He told you to do it. Jesus ain't going to cast out devils. In his name, he's asked us to cast them out. You ever seen deliverance? You ever been delivered? Did Jesus come and personally deliver you? No. He had somebody lay hands on you or pray over you or you got together with some faith members and they stood with you and you put your faith there because according to your faith being unto you, I don't care how many people pray. And when you stood in faith and you got people to agree with you, you saw deliverance. That's how it works. It is finished is a very powerful and real statement. Jesus did the work and then he said, I leave you my Holy Spirit and in my name, these things shall you do. You should walk on serpents and scorpions. If you drink any deadly thing, it should not harm you. You should lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These are the things that he's asked us to do. So when he says my strength is perfected in weakness, he's not talking about being weak in the spirit. He's talking about being weak in your flesh. When you are able to acknowledge that in yourself, that you don't have the power to do whatever he's called you to do, and it is not in your human ability, but in the strength and in the power and the Holy Spirit and in the grace and in the love that you left me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We throw these scriptures all over the place, but they come together and they meet in one beautiful place. That's why the scripture says, I know I'm talking fast. That's why the scripture says, study to show yourself approved, a workman and need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He didn't say adding, he didn't say subtracting. He said dividing. That means you take one sum and you put it into another and then you get, the, you get your balance. And so when you take the word and you put the word together in its entirety, not a verse here, here, a verse, there, a verse, and you put it together, it comes out and it speaks perfectly, perfectly clear. The sum is totally clear. In your weakness, in you acknowledging that you cannot do stuff in your own strength and in your own power, he is made strong. And me saying, I have the Holy Spirit, his grace is sufficient for me, then that means it's not a thorn, it's not an attack. It's not a, a lie. It's not a deception. It's not a thing that could come against me that I can't stand against because his grace is sufficient for me. What is his grace? His unmerited favor to me is giving me the right to take authority over every demonic power stronghold in attack. He never said to you, be weak because I like you weak. He said, be weak in your own ability because my grace is sufficient for you. So I remember going to God one time in one of my roughest times. I said, well, what do you mean by that? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He said, don't stop there because there's another word that's being left out. How many of you have heard and stood on for when I'm weak, it is then that I'm strong and stopped right there? He goes on to say, for my strength is perfected. So per perfected means perfect. He says, so when you're weak in yourself, my strength is perfect. Well, if God's strength is perfect, then I have no weakness. I'm weak in me. But when I, I lay that weakness down where his strength then rises up in me in perfection, then I'm perfect. No, you can't say you're perfect. Then Jesus lied. Be ye perfect as I am perfect, he said. Well, how do you do that? That means you never make a mistake. No, that means you acknowledge that in yourself and in your flesh, you can do nothing.
but I can do all things through Christ, through the anointing and the anointed one who strengthens me. So he's saying, listen, I want the God, take it from me, take it from me, take it from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for me. Well, let me ask how many people right here, right now, can honestly say, yeah, I got a prayer right now. And I keep saying, God, take it from me, take it from me, take it from me. And he ain't taking it yet. God fix it. God make it right. He ain't fixed it and made it right yet. God, God, tell me what to do. God, make them stop. God, make them leave me alone. God, make them treat me right. Make them love me. God, make them show me favor. And, and God's like, I've been praying it for years and he ain't do it. Right. Because he said, because you trying to get me to do something, I've given you the authority and the anointing to do in my grace. If you just start speaking life and speaking what I tell you to speak and accepting yourself, it can't be done. And accepting yourself that even if they do treat you not, they're going to fulfill you. What's going to fulfill you is knowing that you feel with me, not filled with people. I know I'm going today. I know, but it, I, it's, it's just this revelation that just made me so free. And I, and I just want to share with you. I just, like I said, if he checks me, I'm going to come and check you. If he give me something good, I'm going to come and give you something good. And he gave me something good. And I'm excited about it. I was able to embrace what looked like a failure and come out on top. Nothing changed yet in the natural, but everything inside of me changed. So now it's on. I'm, I'm expecting to win at everything I put my hands to from this point on. Why? Because I went through the dark valley and I kept saying, God, make it work, make it clear, make it better, help me understand. He said, you walk around for years talking about you have wisdom, insight, understanding, and knowledge of God. You got asking me to give you something that you've been confessing for years. Why don't you stand in what you've been speaking? Oh. When I am weak, it is then that you are strong. So we talked about a couple of weeks ago, embracing what looks like failure. And so today I'm saying embrace what looks like weakness, that he may be strong in you. And if he is strong in you, that strength will be perfect. Perfect strength. Perfect strength. Somebody say perfect strength. God's strength is perfect in you. So if you say, I don't have strength, so I'm calling on you for your perfect strength. I don't, I don't care what the situation is facing you right now. If you feel that it's beyond you and you can't control it, then why don't you call on God for his perfect strength? Embrace that weakness. Don't be ashamed of it. Stop hanging your head about it, saying, yeah, well, yeah. Say, it says, you're a failure right here. You're weak. Yeah, yeah, I am in my flesh. But that just gives me the opportunity to let his strength be perfect in me. So let's finish this up. But I hope, are you getting something today? I know I went I went in today. I did. I know I, I just started going. Like, I mean, I don't need to talk that fast, but my goodness. So he said to him, my grace is sufficient. For my strength and power are made perfect and fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness when you acknowledge, when you accept. Therefore, listen close, I will all the more gladly glory in my weakness and infirmities that the strength and power of Christ the Messiah may rest, yes, may pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. So I'm not making up what I'm saying. He says, I'm going to embrace and love and cherish 
the weaknesses that I have so that he can get in and cover me. See, when you think you got it, you don't call on God. When you think you got it figured out, you don't need his help. Y'all you know what I'm talking about. Come on, Jeannie, back in the bottle. I rub the lamp when I need you again. I'll say a couple of little magic words so you can come out and fix my stuff and then get back in the bottle. And he said, that's not how this works, baby. You get back in the bottle. You need to put your own mission in the bottle so that I can come out here and do what I need to do for you. I said mish, got mixed up ish and mess in one word, but you'll get the point. Um, he said, you need to put your crap back in the bottle so that I can control you. Lock yourself down. Let me flow. So he said, I'm going to, therefore, I'm more gladly, listen, more gladly glory in my weakness and infirmities. How many of you today listening to me? How many of you gladly glory in your weaknesses and infirmities? Thank you. I, one of you would raise your hand. I would tell you, you lying your behind off. Ain't nobody here glorifying and being happy about their weaknesses and shortcomings and infirmities. None of us. None of us. We shame of them. We try to hide them. We try to make sure nobody sees those. We want to show the good stuff. We don't want to show that. But he said, glory in it. Rejoice in it. Accept it. You need to go out and stand on the rooftop and say, here's all my weaknesses. But just in yourself. And if somebody pointed out, say, yeah, well, yeah, I, you're right. But I glory in it because the strap will be made perfect in this weakness and in this time and in this moment. So watch this. I'll read that one more time. Therefore, I will more gladly glory Worship, praise, glory, hallelujah for my weaknesses. See, that's not that's not typical church talk. You, know, you don't want to hear that, but he just said it. I'm a glory in my weaknesses and infirmities that the strength and the power of Christ the Messiah may rest. Yes, pitch a tent over and dwell upon me. So for Christ's sake, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distress. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong, able, powerful in divine strength. Should I read that again? Should I read that one more time? So for, in this, this is verse 10. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased. Hmm. I'm walking through this one. This one, this one here for me, I'm like, okay, God, well pleased and take pleasure and all that. You're going to have to help the brother out on that one because that's a bit thick. But he says it, so I'm taking it. I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities. Insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distress. For when I am weak in human strength, hmm, then I am truly strong, able, powerful, in divine strength. Wow. We have an opportunity 
to lay aside what we trust, to trust in him more. Insults, infirmities, things that have us perplexed, people talking about us, people putting us down, all this stuff that I would fight against a couple of months ago. I'm like, it's all good. It's all good. Somebody said something to me not too long ago that would have been very insulting. And I was like, okay. And I knew it was it wasn't me behaving. It was me acknowledging that I have no control over what you think. And it's not even my desire to try to persuade people anymore. And I was like, wow, that's that's something. But okay. And just this peace was over me and I wouldn't respond. I went and respond. I could see the look on their face. I was like, it's like I was actually thinking about it. Like, okay, okay, that may be a truth. I'll, I'll go before the throne. I'm not going to take it because they said it. But I'm not think about it. I'll give it some thought. But the level of peace that was on me shook up the atmosphere because I know they were waiting for a response. And I have one. I was like, okay, okay. Because I know when I'm weak, his strength shines. How many of you feel right now there's an area in your life that you feel like, yeah, I'm struggling with this. This is, I feel weak. I almost feel embarrassed at times. Like sometimes I come around and here we go again. Oh boy, right? I thought it was over. I thought I had risen to the top of this and it would never be a problem again. And here we go one more time. God said, well, stop trying to fight it in your own strength. Acknowledge you weak. Acknowledge that you cannot do it. But, and acknowledge it and, and accept it. Rejoice. Because when I'm weak, it gives him a chance to show his strength. Because his strength is perfected by weakness. I want to wrap this up by saying, I'm not saying I have all of this. I'm not saying I got it. I'm not saying I comprehend it all. But this is one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind me, I press forward to the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus. I am in the process of saying, Lord, teach me how to rejoice in my infirmities. Teach me how to accept perplexities and things without it breaking my heart frustrated me. And I had the opportunity this, this past couple of weeks with this whole real estate thing to really feel like I was just not doing good. But I embraced it. I accepted it. And I said, God, far from you, I can do nothing. Um, Cassell put the scripture in the chat. Um, so let's see it. My prayer is that, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but you protect them from the evil. John 17, 15. Thank you, sir. God is not asking to snatch you out of it. He's asking you to live above it. And I'm learning the way you live above it 
is not trying to be Superman or Superwoman, but acknowledging and embracing the weakness in you that God's strength may be shown through you. Parents or people who are parents understand and even if you have niece and nephews you're close to, you want them to know that you got their back. You want them to know when they're out with you that they're protected. You have the shield. You take that bullet for them. God wants you to know that he's your keeper. He's your cover. He's got you. No matter how many walls and things this world has taught you to put up to try to protect and defend yourself, he wants you to understand that he's your defense. That scripture says, run under his wing, run into his shelter in the time of the storm. Well, we're taught if you run, you're a coward. You stand and you face it. Scripture says, run. Run and get up under it. Just like you expect your child to do you. Ruth, you got babies now. There's a loud noise or something. Sound right, them kids come running, jump right up under my thumb. How does it make you feel? It makes you feel like, yeah, my babies, trust me. God wants the same thing. You hear a bump in the night, you can run up under God, make you a coward. Because when you are weak, it's then that he is strong. Because his strength is perfected in your weaknesses. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. Teach us to embrace your strength over our weakness. Teach us to be free from shame and showboating and any need to prove anything to any human. Help us, help me to walk free and comfortable in the fact that whatever my weaknesses are, your strengths are greater and I trust you and we trust you. We believe you. We put everything into you, Lord. This is a complicated word and it has many facets to it. And I'll continue with it, Lord, until you tell me to stop. But in this season, we receive the truth of it in our hearts. We receive it in our spirits as the truth that we adhere to. And we ask you, as we went through last week, you work in us, not in our own strength both to will and to do your good pleasure, but we do it all without complaining. Without murmuring and fault finding, we do it without complaining. We acknowledge our weaknesses without complaining. We acknowledge everything that we need to acknowledge that you may be glorified in us. That we may shine as stars before men. But they see that even in infirmity, we still rejoice and we trust you from last week's message, we do all things without complaining and more. We trust you. Thank you, Lord, for strength and weakness. In Jesus' name, amen.